Yo, this is Pete Town's finest, representing the NEP, D. Stoudemire, and y'all know what we're talking about. No one's ready to deal with us. Hi, this is Mason Plumley. You'd have to pay me a lot more than $4,500 to listen to the Rip City Report with Joe Freeman and Casey Holdall. Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another edition of the Rip City Report. I am Joe Freeman of the Oregonian. He is Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com. Greetings, everybody, and uh, welcome to the 2016-17 season. It is... uh, we're a full four days into it now. You've made it this far, Casey. Bully, yeah. You'll make it another seven months. Yeah, no, I'm feeling strong. Good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it the whole way. Excellent. Yeah, that's. I like that attitude. Yeah, no, I will it, too. You gotta, you gotta come in positive. Now you gotta brace yourself for a marathon. This isn't, this isn't a sprint. That's this true. A hundred yard dash. And I, I have felt myself being a little more. I, after however many years it's been now, I do feel like I'm to the point now where before when something would happen. Like I, especially early in the season, be like, oh boy, I gotta gotta cover that, gotta mm-hmm. do something about that. Now it's like, you know what? We're gonna be here for the next eight months. Like everything is going to have a chance to get fleshed out by you know a month left to go in the season. There's not going to be anything left to talk about, anyways. Ha! More so like we December. Might as well, well December. No, well, uh, well there there'll be December is such a difficult month schedule wise. There'll be plenty to talk about then. Who knows if it'll be positive or not? But um, but yeah, it just seems like. Whereas before it was like there was always this like like media day too. It's like we gotta get all this stuff in media day. Now it's more just like you know what, this is just something we got to do. Let's move on. I, I guess maybe it's more like the team is growing a little bit too in that regard, and that it's not, you know, it's not like this frenetic kind of young. I mean, they're still young, but you've learned a bit older. Yeah, exactly. You've everyone, I feel yourself. like everyone is kind of in the. Uh, in, in another lane now. I wonder, uh, and I'd be interested to hear from our uh, wonderful, loyal listeners, I wonder how much you guys actually care about Media Day. Like, how popular is Media Day? I don't get the sense that, I think people dip their toes into what's going on, and they sort of check out on the periphery, and when they're at work, maybe they, they check on their Twitter feed, or maybe they go onto a live streaming thing to see what the players are saying, but I don't feel like they're hanging on every word and by every thread that everything that's going on. I feel like it's there's so much coming at you at once. It's more of like a red-letter day, like, okay, this is the unofficial start to the season. Now I can kind of switch gears towards the Blazers. Yeah, and uh, a, a couple things there. One, according to the numbers, people did not care that much about media day this year. <laughs> I can I can say that with, with some authority. Uh, and two, I felt like this summer, since there was like a steady – I'm going to call it a trickle, but just like a steady stream of news throughout the, the offseason with signings and, and matching Injuries. and so on and so forth, that like there was just enough to where, you know, it didn't feel like there was this big, long time where nothing was happening for the Trailblazers this offseason. So I, I feel like when that happens, maybe people aren't exactly as, not excited, but just like the idea that, I haven't heard about anything from about the Trailblazers in the last three months. Like that wasn't the case this off season. You know, you got CJ, you got sure. Myers, you got Mo, you got Turner, you got sure. Zeely. You know, there was a there was a whole lot of kind of news items that, that happened this summer. So I think what that results in is you get to media day and there's not the same kind of back to school feeling that maybe you would have otherwise because you know you've been seeing these guys. Sure. Here and there for basically the entire summer. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about Media Day here coming up. We'll uh, get into a couple other things here. Maybe a look at the small forward uh, position, the battle for the starting spot. Uh, spot, excuse me. The, the Off start, to a good the, start the here. Starting starts. <laughs> starting starts. Um, 
Uh, Myers has had some interesting things to say, and he's ahead of schedule uh, in camp so far. Uh, but before we get too deep into what should be a jam-packed and uh, must listen to pod. Want to do a little bit of housekeeping? As always, you can follow Casey on Twitter at Seahold. You can follow me on Twitter at Blazer Freeman. And please uh, access our fine content and our colleagues' content. You can check out Casey's stuff at blazers.com slash forward center. And go, you Joe. can uh, follow mine and my colleagues' stuff at organlive.com slash blazers. And uh, a lot of you guys subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, give us a review. Let us know what you think. We check it out. Matter of fact, uh, if you've been kind of putting it off and haven't done it because it's kind of annoying or you just don't feel like it, please do so. We got one review last time, and it was someone just murdered us. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. He said that we didn't get into basketball for a good 10 minutes, which I actually beg to differ because that happens occasionally. But I feel like we got right in knee-deep last episode. Uh, well, and I don't mind. I, I mean, that's a... I think that's a fair criticism. Oh, for sure. But, and for especially sure. during the offseason, though, it's like, what, what what basketball exactly right, 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 should we be right, diving right, right. into right now? But yeah, but I, hey, I love all reviews. Bring all them of on. them. Give, a, give a, every single review. Uh, that was probably, I bet that was Mike Richmond anyways. It, he's it could have been. To, he's probably trying to drop our, our ratings by, by giving by fake his, reviews. By yeah. his pumping his up. Yeah. That's very There's possible. a lot of podcasts uh, kind Flooding of. in the market. Yeah. Well, but just the. Uh, feel like the competition between podcasts now is becoming fierce. Well, once they found out how popular ours was, yeah. they felt like they could replicate <laughs> our success. We were the first people to do a sports <laughs> podcast. Just In the world. For the record. <laughs> and I, but actually, I will say, though, the quick chat that I did not start, but going way back to the Oregon Live days uh, with Jason Quick. Sure. That, I mean, that was a regular, that was the first regular podcast that I knew about. Sure. So I don't get to take credit for that because I didn't start it, but. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can take credit your, for whatever your, you want. Your organization was obviously a big part of that, and my former organization was, and Jason is obviously still covering the team. So there yeah. you go. So we, yeah, I guess we do get a little uh, all kinds of crossroads yeah, here. A little, uh, little lineage uh, respect for us, I guess. But yeah, so point is, give us a review on iTunes because we check them out, and uh, it's a way for you guys to let us know what you think about the show. Uh, let's get into some quick news and notes here. Uh, coming from a media day, uh, Mason Plumley and the Blazers have quote unquote dabbled in contract extension talks, according to President of Basketball Operations Neil O'Shea. Uh, but if I were you, I wouldn't expect anything happening, if at all, anytime soon. If something does go down on that front, uh, I'd keep your eye on uh, cl- as we get closer to the October 31st deadline uh, of when that extension would need to take place. Uh, also. Blazers president Chris McGowan said that the Blazers will uh, quote unquote modernize their uniforms and tweak the logo heading into to the 2017-18 NBA season when Nike takes over as the NBA's official uniform partner. Uh, also, Terry Stotts says he is keeping an open mind about his starting lineup, most notably who will start at small forward between Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and Alan Crabb. That's shake, shaking up to be pretty much the only uh, starting lineup battle of camp. Uh, also, today is Hersey Hawkins' birthday. Yes. What what number is it? Do you know? Uh, I guess I could probably look it up. I do not know. It's not. It's not. My head, but. Hersey Hawkins, great guy. Uh, long time, uh, obviously, Sonics player, but uh, played for the Bulls, several other teams, and an all-around wonderful human. Uh, finally, last news and note, at least two Blazers players have tweaked their shot heading into the season. Mason Plumley says he's overalled his, thanks kind of like a golfer looks at his swing. Mason Plumley did that in the offseason and is using it to develop a mid-range jumper. And then uh, Mo Harkless says he's changed the way he looks at the ball during his 
release. Uh, he used to kind of watch the ball as it left his fingertips, and now he just kind of lets it fly uh, and looks at the result, which uh, is a far better way to, to let your jumper go. Yeah, the Hawk reaching the half-century mark. Congratulations, years old for uh, Hersey Hawkins. All-around good guy. Yeah. Congratulations. I probably should have given some thoughts on the actual news topics rather than just Hersey's birthday, but, nah. you know. Just a quick rundown yeah. there. Uh, we did want to get a little more into uh, Media Day since it's still fresh in our minds and um, everybody's still digesting all the information we did. Did you have any general thoughts? Did anything stick really, out to you? Really, for me, what kind of stuck out was just how kind of little news came out of it. It seemed like, you know, especially after last year, talk about so much about the roster turning over and new guys taking on new roles and new players and nine new guys. So there was plenty of, of kind of ideas and, and personalities to mind at that point this year, you know, not, not so much, you know, definitely some, some change. You got Evan Turner, you got Fessus Azili, uh, but for the most part, roster remaining unchanged, uh, you know, guys got new contracts, but that doesn't necessarily really change anything. So, uh, so yeah, for me, it was more just kind of, all right, this is uh this is the team. They're back. Let's let's go to work. I I thought the the biggest piece of news to come out was that they're going to change the uniforms, yeah. which I know they've been they've been kind of tinkering with that for years now. Um, I've seen mockups at different points. I don't even know if they're the same ones probably that, that I've seen, and they probably aren't. You're right. Uh, so man, I know, love I, that that. That old school, that that Walton era, that hardwood classic. People left look the, with the red the, one with the, oh, with the vertical so blazers so on dope. it. I know. I, I don't think it's going to look necessarily like that. No, it people won't. people do love the. Well, that's the thing. People love the retro looks too. But it's hard yeah. to, as as our friends at Nike can probably tell you. Um, you know, you can only go the retro route for so long. Yeah. You know, like it, and it's popular. People will buy it. But at a certain point, you have to. You got to do a little something else, and it can't always becomes it. Exactly, can't always be like the yeah. the old school look. So, um, yeah, was, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, uh, I you know the people who are in charge over there now, I think have a good sense both of of what is in good taste and what goes well, and also uh, they have their pulse on the fan base in a lot yeah. of ways. And I think the combination of those two realities. Um, should produce a nice uh, uniform. And my hunch, and I have absolutely no... Uh, uh, that news caught me off guard as much as any, so I don't have any type of behind-the-scenes or, or insider information. My hunch is it doesn't change too much. Yeah, I think, I think it's more of a minor. tweak than yeah. a drastic. Now, depending upon what the league allows, and you might have more information on this than I, but, I mean, it feels like you can have, like, four uniforms. So why not I have... You know, that's that's interesting, because I feel like the, the league is a bit hit and miss with that. It's mm-hmm. like some teams... I feel like they do let change all the time. I remember a couple years ago, the Cavs wore, I feel like, a different jersey every three games. OKC. But from what I've heard, like, it's not, that's not easy. Hmm. Like, it is it is a difficult process. So I don't know if they're just much more streamlined in it, or when you're a team that has the best player in the league, you kind of, they kind of look the other way when you're doing that kind of stuff. But it is not as simple as, hey, we want to wear this jersey. We think it's cool. Can we wear it? Like, that? it's... There's a lot more that goes into it than that. So, yeah. um, but I know people have wanted more jersey options. They've been asking for it. So there you go. There you go. Uh, my take on Media Day, going back to the original kind of topic, and and it's sort of been how I've felt through the first two days of training camp. Is uh, there's a, a very I don't know what the words are, but there's a quiet confidence to this team. You sense that uh, it feels comfortable about what it did last year and even more comfortable that it can build off of that. Uh, It's very drama-free. 
Uh, I think the the solid chemistry that they had last year has clearly carried over to this year. And I also feel like this team came into camp ready. I, I feel like they're ahead of where they were last year. In fact, I asked Coach Stotts about that yesterday. Uh, similar to the team a couple years ago that returned 13 players, because this team returned so many guys, um, you know, they're, they're sort of familiar with what is going on now, and they have a handle on everything with the system and everything that Coach wants. So uh, they're ahead of, of, say, where last year's team was by quite a bit. Um, I think that contributes to it. But I think the team came in in incredible shape. They obviously worked pretty hard, not only in the offseason, but in September. Uh, Multiple guys seem to have bulked up. Multiple guys are in pretty good shape. Um, And so there's just something about um, A, getting paid, B, coming off a successful season, C, having so much familiarity coming back, and D, just having this confidence that um, it's a pretty solid vibe, a very business-like, yeah. no-nonsense mm-hmm. vibe. Absolutely. And I, I would say that is the biggest takeaway is it's just a very – like I mean, I, I thought Damien kind of talking about it in the way that he approached his preparation this year, talking about doing pickup games. You know, it's like rather than just going balls out during pickup games, he's like, you know what? Like I know what I need to do. I want to get to the season. Like I'm already thinking in terms of like the competition we're going to be going up against. Not so much how am I going to win this pickup game? Which I mean, those guys go out there and play, and they keep they keep score too. Yeah. I mean, not not even just score of the games. They track how many games each individual player oh, yeah. it wins. So I mean, like, and guys take pride in that as well. So I, I think it shows some growth from Damien and just from the team in general that it's like, you know, it's one thing to come out and get our work in, and we need to do that, but. Let's be real. Like we got a long season ahead of us. We need to to prepare for that rather than just you know throwing everything at the wall now and trying to get, put ourselves in a position to to be successful, which they probably needed to do last year. You know they oh, need, sure. they needed to be more ready than their opponents early in the season last year, and even then they struggled early in the season. So maybe not as much the case this year. And you're right, Joe. Having that that continuity, you know, there's not a whole lot. Of, I mean, Terry does a lot of similar things as some other teams but a lot of it is is quite different and, mm-hmm. and the mentality that he wants players to have particularly on well actually on both sides of the floor really I mean it's it's more stark on the offensive end but it's on the defensive end as well particularly with how they play with trying to force mid-range shots that there is you know there there's a not insignificant amount of teaching that needs to go in for new players coming into the system but when you have not that many new players and I mean as of right now Evan Turner is the only new player who's Who's playing. healthy enough to play? So really, it's just one guy that they're kind of trying to get get figured out right now, and everyone else is kind of they know what the score is already. So speaking of Evan Turner, he went through uh, a practice yesterday and an extensive post practice shooting session. Came over and spoke with the media, and he was drenched in sweat and exhausted. And uh, first thing he said was, "Man, I'm trying to get used to this kind of West." Western Conference game and Western Conference shape. He said you kind of is a different level of fatigue. It's a faster pace, uh, and coming from where he came from Boston, he said it's just a slightly different game and pace. And he's right now, despite coming into camp in shape, trying to get to that next level of shape. Uh, and he said, you know, the combination of trying to learn the playbook uh, and and all as everything that comes with that and battling a little bit of fatigue it's it's been an interesting transition for him which, which so. is interesting too because i i'm i might be incorrect about this but i feel like i feel like the Celtics played pretty fast yeah like i mean they're they're a team that they played hard yeah that well they they always played hard and i, I felt like not, maybe not even so much fast but 
always getting the movement. ball up the court a lot of quickly. Exactly. Like, it's not kind of the, the – Isaiah Thomas isn't walking the ball up the court. You no. know, they're getting it in. It's kind of like Terry's offense. You, know, you, you get it in, you get over half court, you start passing the ball, and then the movement happens. It's not so much of a yeah. of a dribble offense. So. I've heard him say it a couple times. It was it's a it was interesting take from him. So I'm sure he'll, he'll – What if he's got allergies? I don't know. That's what I, I always I, – I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they probably do. But I'm always curious them, if they, yeah. yeah, if like when new players come specifically, if they're like, let's test to make sure you're not suffering from some of the allergies that people in this this area tend to tend to have, especially for people from outside the area who right. aren't accustomed to our crazy weird pollen that we have here in Oregon. Uh, another thing that was interesting and, and has been interesting over the first couple of days of camp is uh, a slightly ahead of schedule Myers Leonard. He uh, was able to, uh, in what was a surprise to most of us, went through a lot of the very first practice of the season, uh, at least what we were able to watch. Blazers went through some pretty high, uh, fast-paced and um, seemingly rigorous three-on-three competition that first day. And Myers went through all of it, and not only did he go through all of it, he tested his shoulder, got dinged a lot, as you might expect through the course of a basketball game, but also uh, looked pretty good. Threw a couple nice backdoor passes to cutting guards, hit uh, back-to-back threes at one point, um, you know, uh, seemed to be pretty good at blocking shots and rebounding and doing all the stuff that... that, um, seven-footer should be able to do. Um, and so that was kind of a welcome sight from him uh, for someone who you're not sure when he's going to come back and, and really what he can give. Um, so that was sort of a, a positive development for the Blazers. Uh, interesting side note with him also is he's got a drastically different, I don't know if demeanor is the right word, but his mindset has changed quite a bit. And he was very honest and forthcoming at Media Day about uh, – you know, not only was he called last season a nightmare, um, and he said he sort of lied to his his yeah. family and friends <laughs> about not only the status of his well being, but of his health mentally. Well, and he lied, I, I, you lied to us too, Myers. Us by too. the way, I, yeah. I, I, you should have mentioned us in that as well. Granted, lying to your family is is much more important, or I guess important to me, not the right word, but. Significant. It's more significant, exactly. But you also lied to us too. Well, they all lie to us almost every day. True enough. Um, but part of what's Myers coming in, as I kind of describe it, is him finding his zen. He he and his wife um, kind of met with this guy Dave Anderson over over the off season, and and this guy David Anderson has kind of a, what he calls a red belt mentality, and he holds seminars and he writes books and gives speeches. And anyway, he worked with the University of Indiana basketball team some last year and years past, and uh, there's a connection. Uh, Meyer's wife's brother went to Indiana and his her brother kind of set them up with him and Meyer says it it has drastically changed uh his his mental uh, stamina and and durability and he's in a better place uh he's he's taken to journaling and and writing down his thoughts every morning he says he's sleeping better he feels more at peace he's way more stress free he's hitting um, full court one armed uh, right, shots right after practice right right and uh and he says he was nowhere near this place last year, um, you know, in part because he turned down $40 million. And as he said, yeah. I came from nothing and I turned down $40 million. Anyone probably listening to this and certainly sitting in this room can relate to that. Uh, I would probably never turn down $40 million personally. But uh, And so that weighed on him between that and the slump and the injuries. He was a mental pretzel last year, which I think we were pretty spot on throughout the season. Yeah, um, you didn't have to – you didn't have to – you know, sit Stay on a couch with Myers yeah. for, you know, once a day for a week to figure that part out. And so. quite frankly, Myers, 
has the physical gifts, the physical makeup, the body type, the skill set to be a very good NBA player. The thing that has held him back in spurts to this point has been his mental makeup. And so it'll be interesting to see how how this affects his basketball. Well, and I, I, I hope that if anyone else on the team was kind of having those same feelings, just going in and, and knowing that, you know, in some respects they were playing for a contract, that maybe they don't feel that way anymore either. And and while it, uh, they might not be as kind of open about it as Myers was, I mean, guys who maybe might have been pressing, and I'm not really not saying there were guys, but just the notion that, you know, you have this big thing in your life, i.e. your contract kind of looming on the horizon, and I think it's, sometimes it's hard when you're a player or, or when you're anyone really to – to go out and perform every day and not have that cloud you're thinking, you know, like every time you mess up in a game, you're not thinking, boy, I just, you know, what's that mean for me in the off season, you know? So now that, that that's all taken care of, you know, hopefully if, if guys were kind of feeling some pressure there, and I, I feel like maybe Mo was a guy that, that maybe sure. a little bit on, on that regard. So uh, now that everyone's kind of squared away in that, in that financial sense, you know, maybe that has some positive effects going forward. Yeah. there It could go either way. Guys could mail it in now that they got paid, and sure, I don't need to work hard anymore. I don't need to play well. I've got my millions. Or they can feel the weight of that contract and want to live up to those expectations. And, you know, with the the uh, stability and the security that comes with a big deal, feel at ease and feel less stressed and be able to go out and perform. Yeah. So, and I always feel like, you know, if when you're on the other side of 30, I feel like it's where you have the – the 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 chance a. of a player coming in and being like, well, I got paid, so you know it's all good now for me. That's, I feel like those are kind of the guys you need to worry a bit more about. Not so much the guys that are basically on their first sure. real contract. That was a concern with are. Lamarcus Aldridge, yeah, uh, around the league and certainly internally with the Blazers. Uh, obviously, his his ability was was what it was, but you know, at a guy at his age level, not only does your does your skills do your skills decline but you know like you said a little bit of that weighs into that yeah. that was but anyway but i think I, I don't know if that was i mean i always thought lamarcus really i mean through playing in, through injuries last season i mean like i i think he 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 wants to win yeah. you know you don't, i don't think you go to san antonio because you're like eh, i don't really care about winning True. you know that, True i think that's a that's kind of proof of that especially when you take less money so through that uh another thing going on at least that is uh let's face it it has not been this hugely interesting, newsy training camp. One thing to pay attention to, and at least that I'm paying attention to, is the competition for the starting small forward job. Uh, that is kind of the most intriguing thing going on right now outside of rotations and you know who gets minutes where and what and all that sort of thing. Um, but right now, uh, obviously, Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and Alan Crabb are sort of in a three-way competition for minutes there and that starting smart. Uh, Said it again, <laughs> man. What's the? It's you're not the, having a. Are you having a stroke, Joe? I hope not. At least you're here in here to take care of me. If I do, yeah. I know you got your yeah, ER training. That's or your, what I'll do. I'll yeah. take care of you, Joe. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, it's something that we've talked about. You know, in the off season, uh, a little bit, kind of, kind of handicapped that race. Um, it was interesting reading between the lines, and Terry Stott says he's keeping an open mind about the whole thing. Uh, that's what October four. He says every time you ask him about. Uh, his starting lineup or position battles and stuff like that. 
And sounds like he's he's going to continue to mix and match his lineups. He's done that through the first two, three days of camp. I think he'll do that for the first couple of weeks of training camp, and I expect him to do that for at least two or three uh, exhibition games as well. So you're going to see a lot of different combinations, and each of these guys will get their chance, no question. Um, you know, one thing that is interesting that he noted, and it was just in him talking. I don't know if I'm reading between the lines or what, but he did say, look, you know, uh, Mo Harkless started the last 11 games of the season last year and the playoffs, and that was when the Blazers kind of hit their stride and, yeah. and, and obviously caught fire and, and did their postseason damage. And and I think that he built a little bit of cachet with that. And when, you, when you're when you moving uh, Farouk permanently to the four, which they did at that point last year, um, you saw the success and how effective it can be. That kind of weighs on your mind. And I know that you... You just spent $70 million on Evan Turner, but that doesn't mean you brought him in to be a starter no. and, and he will still play a lot regardless. So um, it'll be interesting. I think those two guys are uh, – it, it's a three-way battle, but I think those two guys are the guys that are, are, are probably the chief leader – the leaders for that job. Yeah, and I would uh, – the other thing I would throw in there too is that when you are playing small, i.e. with Farouk at four, Mo is the biggest of – all three of those guys. So you throw Mo in at small forward, it gives you a bit more size than if you threw in Turner or to a much larger extent, AC, who mm-hmm. is, you know, who, who can definitely play the three. But again, if, if you're playing with a smaller lineup, you might have to cross match. You know, if you're going to switch on some pick and rolls, if they're going to put Farouk in pick and rolls, you know, can Allen switch on to, you know, four man, even a smaller four man. So I think, you know, th- there's definitely. I mean, it, each guy has his own case, I think, because they do kind of bring different skills, each one. Um, but I, I think m- just the, the continuity piece, though, too, I think is probably the most important part if you were going to handicap that race. And if Mo has indeed, if his outside shot has improved yeah. because of this minor tweak that he's that he's come up with, um, I mean, that as as much talent as he showed and much improvement that he showed – uh, at the end of the year last year, that can take him to that next step, particularly in Stott's offense. Obviously, Evan Turner does not bring uh, a strong long-range shot to his game, um, so that's something to think about. But they did bring Evan in to take pressure off of CJ and Damian handling the ball, and so there will be a vital role for him uh, in, uh, through the process uh, of the rotation, obviously. So, it, you know, whether or not he starts, he's going to play big minutes. Yeah. And, you know, the most popular closing lineup last year actually featured Alan Crabb. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how Stotts goes in the fourth quarter, I think, more interesting than, than who starts. Yeah. Uh, just worth pointing out, too, that Mo shot 29% or 28% from three last year. If he'd get up to like 30, 31, 32, that's, a, that's kind of a whole different. I feel like there. he shot a lot better in the playoffs, too, and later in he the season. He shot more in the playoffs. I don't know that it was necessarily better. better. I'd have to go back and look. But I, I agree that he, he was definitely more willing to yeah. take that shot. Because I feel like midway through the season, I don't know he was really trusting himself from deep. And I, I feel like it, towards the end of the season, maybe he trusted himself more, or maybe he just said, you know what, to heck with it. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it. So He seems like a guy, too. And I was as hard on him as anybody uh, early in the season because I just didn't see it. And and I thought that he lacked confidence. He's a guy with confidence, I think, plays better. And and that sounds like a stupid thing to say. Of course, everybody's like that. But some people, when they get challenged or when they hit adversity, they actually – that – kind of motivates them to play even better. I think he's a guy who wants security and wants to be at peace. That helps his confidence. And I think as much as anybody, him and Myers uh, in particular, that having that $40 million, having that four-year deal and security of knowing that you're locked up, um, when really your NBA career was was seemingly on the – 
uh, on the ropes, I think that will only help him play better. Yeah, uh, and I think and, we saw that. And too. the common thread between both Mo and Myers is they're both really young. I mean, Mo is Mo is twenty three years old. You know, he used a one and done. Myers played two seasons and, and came out. So, I mean, when you're when you're a young person, you know, it, sometimes confidence can be difficult, especially if, you know, when you're Mo, you come from a situation where you completely fell out of favor in Orlando. When you're a guy like Myers, when you get injured and you lose your starting spot, you know, th- those things can can have an impact. So Good point. Uh, I think, you know, you come back a year older and, and you have your, your, your financial security somewhat squared away, assuming you, you do the right things. And, you know, I think those those have positive effects when you get on the court. All right, let's play a quick round of fact or fiction. Casey, C.J. McCollum, fact or fiction, C.J. McCollum will earn MVP honors at Sunday's Fan Fest. By the way, Fan Fest. Fan Fest is on Sunday. Sunday. 3 o'clock. 3? Yeah. Or 5? It's, it's, I think it, I saw today 3 o'clock. Holy moly. It's early this year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I'll look that up, and you contemplate this fact or fict question. I'm going to say fiction because... I think the uh, MVP typically goes to a player that I think is going to be a bit... Well, CJ's got some flash to him, too. Mm. That's why it's a good question. I'm still going to say fiction. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to take the field. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I have to say fact. <laughs> Just to play contrarian. You don't, no, you don't have to, because we're not going to do that, Joe. You we're not going to be the contrarian podcast. Okay, if we I, like on sh- on, I like it. If we agree on stuff, I almost slipped there for the first time, then... We're gonna agree on it, okay? Uh, I Which, like by it. the way, too. Speaking of cursing on podcasts, I listened to the uh, the Woj podcast with Patrick Beverly. Mm-hmm. Pat Beverly just letting it fly. Like, I just... am not surprised <laughs> to hear that. Why it, am it I was not pretty surprised? Good, actually. To hear he, uh, that. he even he said that uh, Damien was one of the hardest guys to, to guard too. Said, I also believe that. Oh, said, so he's finally giving him some props. Yeah. Huh? Well, I mean, I, I think a guy like Patrick Beverly, when when he's a jerk or when he really goes at you, that is the props. Gotcha. Uh, so. Uh, Fan Fest got the details. It d- the doors do open at 3 p.m. Now, as always, this is a free scrimmage for the fans. I would recommend you get there early. Fans line up uh, way ahead of that uh, 3 p.m. time. And then there is a mad sprint to get uh, seats as close as you can. So keep that in mind if, if you really want some good seats. The uh, inter-squad scrimmage, which obviously is the highlight of the event, will start at 4 p.m. So again... Fan Fest Sunday, Moda Center, 3 p.m. Uh, scrimmage starts at 4. And real quick, too, the uh, the kids' press conference that they're having is at 3.05. So if you want to be a part of that, you should definitely get there early. Alfred Camino, Alan Crabb, Ed Davis, and Myers Leonard will all be taking questions from the tykes. So if you uh, if you have kids that you're bringing to Fan Fest and you want to maybe get a chance to uh, to get a question into one of those guys, uh, check that out. Rose I Room. Bet, I bet they'll give them better answers than they give us. I mean, uh there's fifty fifty chance I get better questions from them too. So oh, I'd say it's sixty forty. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> at the, one of the the uh, I mentioned this on Twitter a couple of days ago. So Festus Azili was having a an event at the Boys, Boys and, Girls and Girls Club, Club. and uh, you know he's he's there asking questions. Third question: <laughs> How to feel to lose in the finals? Oh <laughs> just, damn! Just third question, just Kaboom. straight to it. He didn't throw in the three one. He didn't say how to feel to come to lose after leading three one. But he still went straight to the. So how do I feel to lose in the finals, Festus? Like that's a now. What is Festus? How does what is what does he say to that? I mean, he was basically answer? like it wasn't good. He's like it was bad. <laughs> it you know, like it good. didn't feel good, and I felt like there were things we could have done, uh, which doesn't necessarily make you feel any better about it. But uh, you know, Festus is a good guy. He took it in stride. But you know, that's kids, man. They uh, they don't have that filter, which is no. great because you know it, that filter is not always such a great thing. You no. know, like you you want that 
That honesty? That precociousness, exactly, that, that comes with youth. Fact or fiction, Casey, Mo Harkless will start at small forward during Monday's preseason opener versus the Utah Jazz. Ooh. <sighs> As he contemplates this question, uh, another uh, note, the Blazers do open the preseason Monday against the Utah Jazz, 7 p.m. Moda Center, uh, so keep that in mind. Which that. should be a good game, too, but because the, the Jazz uh, team definitely on the up, two, up and comer. Two so, yeah, so, similar so that should be a, an interesting game, not, not your typical... Uh, Maybe kind of ho-hum preseason affair. Uh, but back to your question, I'm going to say, I'm going to say fact. Uh, I think, you know, especially with only having a week to kind of, not not that you necessarily get ready, quote-unquote, for, for preseason games, but just the idea that that was the lineup they had last year. Uh, so I'm going to say fact. I agree. I think it's a fact. I think you're going to carry over what you did last year, at least for that first preseason game. Then you mix it up, uh, game two, and, and there Thereabouts moving forward. Yeah. Okay, fact or fiction, Casey? Mason Plumley will make more than ten mid-range jumpers this season. <laughs> well, did, did you look to see how many he took, or did you just that's I just, just straight pulled up. a number out of my head? Um, well, I've seen him shoot a fair number of those here and there. So, I mean, ten seems really low. I mean, ten is what one every eight games he hits one. So, yeah, I'm going to say. I'm going to say fact. 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 Mason Plumley hits more than, than 10 men rage jumpers this season. What the hell? I'm going to go less. Fiction. Right, I'm going to yeah. say 10 or less. That's fiction. Uh, yeah, so Mason has overhauled his jumper, supposedly, uh, scrutinized it with video and then form in the offseason, and he has added that mid-range jumper, and players uh, have said they've seen a difference that he is uh, that he is he's hitting it. He says he's, he's going to take it through the flow of the offense, yeah. and Terry's encouraging him to take it and all that stuff. I will say this. If he can hit that shot or at least have the threat of hitting that shot, it will open things up quite a bit for that Blazers offense. Yeah. That could be a very big uh, beneficial boon for them. And that's the that's the kind of the point, too. It's not so much the how many points does Mason Plumley score on mid-range jumpers. It's how honest can Mason Plumley keep defenses by them at least having to consider that he might hit a mid-range jumper. So it's not always necessarily about – how many he takes it's just is he taking it and making it enough to make other teams have to at least consider it is the threat there is the threat there all right fact of fiction's over let's move on to listener questions as always uh we send out a little query asking for questions either the day before or the day of the podcast on our twitter feeds uh again casey's twitter handle is at seahold at c-h-o-l-d and mine is at blazer freeman first up from lillard for mayor Thanks for another exemplary exemplary pod. You're welcome, Lillard from Air. Hey. Of all the players, who do you think will be most improved from three-point range this year? Or in other words, who will be the most consistent this year? Kind of do different questions. Sure. Um, most improved from three-point range, Casey. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go once again uh, with one Maurice Harkless. Hmm. I, think, uh, I think that Mo has the... For a couple reasons. One, I think uh, talking about improving his shot, uh, hopefully that is actually the case. And two, I feel like he's he's got the most room to grow of anyone on the team to where, like, I don't think that Mo is necessarily a bad three-point shooter, mm-hmm. he, but he hasn't shot very well from three. So I think that, that with some confidence, with a second year in the offense, and maybe even with a slightly expanded role this year, I'm going to go Mo Harkless. I agree, but I will answer slightly differently. I think Myers Leonard will improve mm. in three-point shooting. And here, here's why. Last year he was slightly, uh, you know, two years ago he shot 42%. Last year he thought shot 37%, 38%. I think he can slightly shoot better than 38 
with a fully healthy season, more confidence. Uh, but I do, I think Mo, Mo Harkless has the most room to grow, the most opportunity to grow, and uh, with apparently a change in his shooting motion also. Some, some room there too and one thing to mention about Myers that Kevin Pelton put in his player profiles uh, this year is that Myers now that he is qualified is the most accurate three point shooting seven footer in the history of the NBA how about that yeah I mean obviously he's he's still playing so that could go either direction from sure. this point but as of right now as far as Guys over seven foot who shoot threes, Myers the most accurate. He should just retire now. Yeah. Just, uh, just George just Costanza, go out on a high, baby. <laughs> Thank you. I'm out of here. Okay, next up from Sergio H. Hey, guys. Hey, Sergio. Thanks for the podcasts. You're welcome. Which player do you feel is flying under the radar? Radar. Shabazz Napier? Question mark? It's. I don't really feel it's like a camp where anybody's flying under yeah, the radar. Yeah, I, I would agree. Maybe... I don't think uh, Napier is going to have a, a, a big role this season. Yeah. I, I don't think there's going to be a big opportunity for him, so I, I hesitate to answer him. Um, I'll say Ed Davis, hmm. just because, one, I haven't said anything about Ed yet, and I like talking about Ed, and uh, he did put on a little size this year, maybe with the idea that he's wants to put himself in a better position to maybe play more minutes at center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that while I'm... I'm pretty sure that Mason is going to be the starter at center. I mean, I, I think there is somewhat of a competition there. I think they had one last year, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had one again this year. So I'm, I'm going to go say, say my man Ed Davis. Uh, speaking of Ed Davis, he uh, had a very humorous uh, media exchange with us yesterday. Yeah, I heard Pleasant as always. Love that guy. He's one of my favorite guys on the team, and he offered some very sage advice. Uh, during his uh, during his talk with us, he said, "Life is short. Y'all remember that. You never know when it's going to be your last day." So I will uh, offer that advice to all of the loyal Rip City Report listeners. Enjoy uh, life to the fullest, at least uh, according to Ed Davis. Yes. Um, okay. Next up from Angel Pina. Pina. Is it P E N A? It's P I N A. Oh, yeah, there's I no inye over the end. I think though. that's that's probably Pina. Then. Pina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up from Angel. How do you guys think Evan Turner's three-point shot will turn out to be in the near future? Uh, and while we're asking Angel's question, uh, there's It might be on hell, by the way, too. Oh, could be on hell. Yeah. On hell. Uh, next up, uh, <laughs> we got, also we the with, <laughs> with this question, the similar ilk from Gozers, Stott says Evan Turner is free to shoot open threes. That thought makes me cringe. Will he really be that much better with Stotts? Um, well... I can I mean, say this much. Based upon what I saw yesterday after practice, I would be fearful of him shooting threes. He was horrendous. He may have shot 7%, and he shot a lot of threes. His shot is not very pretty looking. His form is not very uh, a textbook. Um, but Terry's offense uh, encourages threes. It thrives off threes. If you're open, you're going to get the chance to shoot the threes. We saw Gerald Henderson shoot better than he than he usually did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw Mo shoot, mm-hmm. you know, made strides Slightly in that. Slightly better, yeah. We saw Al Farouk Aminu make significant have a strides. Use. Yeah. So there is a history of guys faring well in this system. And the bottom line is, no matter how good or bad you are at anything, NBA players are way better than you think at everything having to do with basketball. And NBA players usually hit open shots. So if Evan Turner has an open shot, he'll hit it more more often than you think. That said, after watching him yesterday, I would be damn scared. I uh, I would expect him to shoot better just because I think that Terry is very good at getting players open shots. Um, 
thinking about kind of the guys he played with last season in Boston. Isaiah Thomas? Isaiah Thomas. You know, and I don't think that's – I don't think they have shooters on the level of – of Damian and CJ necessarily, so maybe that that results in some some more open looks. But I, I think the I, I think what's more important is just the notion that look, one I mean, one of the main tenets of Terry's offense is that you have to take open shots, and so if you're open from three, while maybe Evans not going to shoot the percentage you you would hope, the offense doesn't work if he's not taking those shots. If he's getting open looks and not taking them, that's bad. So I, I would rather – I mean, th- this might sound kind of dumb to some people. I'd rather him take open shots and miss them than have an open three, take two step, take two dribbles into mid-range. closer to the, to the mid-range and, and shoot from there. So um, Another thing you know, to keep in mind, too, is that and, – and Terry made this point yesterday, and, and I actually agree with him. He said he's surprised that everybody's making such a big deal about Evan Turner's three-point shooting – because he does so much more. And they didn't bring Evan Turner here to make yeah. three-pointers. They brought him here to take pressure off of Damian and CJ on the ball handling uh, aspect, to add some ball handling off the bench. Evan Turner will share backup point guard duties with CJ McCollum. So they added another playmaker and another distributor. Uh, Ed Davis says he's uh, after he can tell after September and two uh, training camp uh, pra- days of practice that um, – He's already one of the best passers on the team, Evan Turner, that is. Mm-hmm. So with everything else that he brings, that was why the Blazers signed him. They didn't sign him for his three-point shooting. No. So everybody's focused in a lot of ways on his three-point shooting while not focusing on the actual reasons the Blazers brought him in. Absolutely. But, and, and I would say in people's defense, I mean, Terry's offense does does require three-point shooting. No question. So, I, so that's definitely not the reason they brought him in. But, you know, especially a person at that position, I think there's a reasonable expectation that if you're playing the three for a Terry Stotts offense, you're probably going to have to shoot some three-pointers at some point in time. True that. Next up from Logan Brandon, does or has Coach Stotts' job uh, – well, i got to use either the get or gotten. So let's say, <laughs> does Coach Stotts' job get harder or easier this year with new players, expectations, etc.? We talked about this a little bit last podcast. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it gets harder, and that's a <laughs> to use a, a Terry parlance there. Um, but it's it's. I think they're they're higher expectations. So in general, when you have you know when people are assuming you're going to be better, and there's a there's an expectation that you're you're going to play better than you were last year. I think there's there's always pressure there. I don't know if I'd say his job is harder necessarily because he there's more talent on the team than before. So. If you were to say it's harder than than kind of the the flip side of that would be saying that having less talent is easier in the NBA, which I wouldn't agree with. So uh, it, it's that- it's a different it's a different challenge. I don't know if I'd say it's harder, but it, it's there's maybe more on the line, I guess. So in that regard, it's maybe that makes it more difficult. But again, that goes back to kind of a more ethereal notion of of pressure and and expectations rather than. If I'm the coach, is it really harder to figure out which one of these three guys, this is just for example, Mo, Evan, and AC, like having having a lot of talent at that position, is that harder than only having one guy at that position? I mean, I, I wouldn't say so because your job as a coach is to win games. So if you have more talent, which in theory makes it easier to win, your job in some respects is easier. 
I agree with that, but I also uh, think his job is harder. I would say that I think it's harder because there's tougher decisions to make. Uh, there's more mouths to feed. He has uh, the deepest roster talent-wise that he's had at any point in his coaching career, let alone in Portland. So, you know, keeping everybody happy will be a little more difficult. Making sure that that you're utilizing your talent to the best ways, while I think from a creative standpoint will be more enjoyable for him, it also could have the potential to be more difficult. But even more, because of the expectations, the job will be more difficult for him. Not necessarily because of, of the talent. He has more talent. That should be make his job easier. But last year, there was no expectation for this team to do anything. What was the Vegas over-under? 26 and a half 26 wins? 26 and a half. Come on. So no matter, they could have won 35 games and exceeded expectations, and it would have been a successful season. As it was, they blew those expectations out of the water. We, we know all about that. So now the expectations of this fan base uh, is drastically higher, and I think they won't be happy with an eighth, seventh place finish in the West. With all the money that uh, Paul Allen has invested in this team, you go from the lowest payroll in the league to the third highest payroll in the league. That increases uh, expectations and puts a different uh, kind of uh, shines a different light on the team, if you will. So for all of those reasons, I, I think it will be a more difficult season. Terry. All right. Next up from Wacky Brack. With most of the roster familiar with the Blazers playbook, will this year's training camp have a different focus? Yeah, I, I would say it has had a bit of a different focus from so much from teaching to refining, I guess, if that's if you consider that a focus. Um, I, I think probably defensively they're they're I mean, I think they're always paying a lot of attention to it, but knowing that that they've consistently had a a good to great offense. I think they know that defense is the place that they can grow the most and will give them the best chance of improving or or at least kind of staying where they got to last season if they can get their defense up to average. You know, and again, like that's when when you have a great offense like like they have typically had under Terry Stotts, if you can just have a, a decent defense, you can you can do a lot of good things. He wants top 10. Top 10 would be great. I, I, I think top 15 would also be fine, though. I mean, it, it wouldn't be as good as 10, but if you were a top 10 offense and a 15 defense, which means you're exactly average, I think that's. I, I think you can get away with that. I will say that uh, similar to two years ago when 13 players came back and all that stuff, they made great defensive strides that year and the year before because of all the familiarity. So with, a, with more time and... and focus on that now similar to then I think that can only help their defense uh, I don't know that there's a different focus though because they're still he said he, Terry said he went they kind of checked with their training camp script last year and it's very similar mm, now yeah. to what they did last year but I think it's just um, uh, it's more refining and you're starting off from a, a more advanced point so you're sharper and you're ahead of where you were last year so I'll, rather than say a different focus I'll say that the team should be ahead of of where they were last year at every stage. Uh, next up from Got Handles, New Jersey's when, where, how can I see them? LOL. Spring, Portland, and you can't see them until spring or until someone leaks them. All right. Which I, I must say, I, I want to give credit to just the organization in general. Very uh, buttoned down. Like things don't tend to get out much more these days, which I think is a, I think it's good. Yeah. 
Uh, from next up from Luis Lopez, is it true that CJ McCollum is no longer playing in Kyrie's? And uh, those he, would be he, Kyrie's signature Nike shoes. Yes, I believe that is true. Uh, he, he wore the Kyrie twos, I think, for a while last year, or maybe the Kyrie ones. Um, but no, he's been wearing, I think maybe uh, maybe Hyperdunks this year. They changed the Hyperdunk last year. It had this really big heel profile, and uh, so a lot of guards wouldn't wear them because they they were kind of too bulky. Uh, but they really they kind of they shaved it down quite a bit, so I think it's it's a good kind of general shoe, and uh, I think CJ is also the kind of guy too where now that he's reached a certain level, he's not the kind of guy who necessarily wants to wear someone else's shoes. You can't be a max dude wearing another dude's shoes. Yeah, you probably you probably shouldn't. Yeah. So I'm surprised Dame didn't try to talk him out of wearing Kyrie's a long time ago. I mean that's. One of Dame's, he often gets compared to Kyrie. Well, I mean, you know, if Adidas didn't come through with that offer. So if I'm CJ, I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. True you know, There's no, uh, no I'm, love there. I'm joking anyway. Dame, I know you Dame and Kyrie are tight. Uh, let's see. Next up from Ty Delbridge. Do the Blazers stick with a set rotation or will they set the lineup based on matchups that night slash game? Hashtag Rip City Report. Um, you know, I think there'll be a pretty firm rotation. Yeah, for much I got of the season. I, I got to walk back. Yeah. My, I, I kind of thought that maybe Terry would would mix match a little bit more. He was he was fairly. I don't know if I'd say he was emphatic, but he was definitely he definitely said. You know, I think players tend to do better when they kind of know what consistent minutes yeah. are going to be. So, I th- I think there's more of a chance, but maybe not as much as I as I thought earlier. One thing I have learned in in ten plus years covering the NBA is. Players like to know what's expected of them. They like to know what their role is. They do better with that sense of, of I don't know, it puts them at ease at whatever. When you don't know night to night what's going on, it's harder to prepare. And so um, from that standpoint, that that's a pretty common refrain, particularly for veterans in the league. I think there are there is room for tweaks here and there. Specifically, do you go small? Do you go big? And that sort of thing when you when the matchup provides. But I think the goal is to get a, a set nine or sometimes ten man rotation and 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 go from there. Yeah, I, I do think that. I mean, there's there's going to be ten guys who probably play, and that's and on a night to night basis, it's probably going to be those same ten guys. I just think maybe there's a chance that you know one night you play. 25 minutes, next night you play 15 minutes sure. because of the opponent. Sure. So. Yeah, that's yeah. I'll give you that. Okay, we have a couple hair questions here from Max Quarterback. <laughs> Out of all the, quote, new hairdo, unquote, guys, whose do you like best? Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Noah Vonley, who's missing? And then from Alex PDX, who has made the biggest hair gains in the offseason? Thanks for the podcast. Glad to have you both back. Thank you, Alex, for listening, and we are glad to be back. Let's do this, uh, Casey. Let's just give our... Um, our, uh, I don't know what I want to call it. Our 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 power rankings of hair, off season hair. Gotcha. Okay, okay. We got four guys that I think have have uh, significantly or slightly significantly changed their hair. <laughs> Myers Leonard, Ed Davis, Alan Crabb is no longer going with the frosted tips mm-hmm. on the on no the more Odell Beckham on the Mohawk yeah. and uh, Noah Vonley. So, what's your uh, power rankings? Uh, one through four. One through four. Number one, I'm going Ed Davis. Uh, for all the reasons I mentioned before, I have a great affinity for Ed Davis, and uh, I his was the only haircut that my wife actually texted me about at media day. She was like, "Ed looks looks fantastic. He's got kind of a mid to late '90s Los Angeles Snoop Dogg kind of thing going on right now, which which I like quite a bit. And I think Ed just Ed carries himself in a way that is it, it, it looks well. Uh, Two, I'll go Myers because uh, I think he's he his his lettuce is, is really coming in. Um, I'm going to go 
you know, no three. I, I like the little braids, and and what I like the most though, I like the headband. I, I like the the combination of the little braids and the headband. I think it's a good look for a guy like Noah. Uh, and then I'm gonna go AC. I, I I like the blonde tips. So anything that's that's less wild is a uh, is gonna be my last rank. Uh, I'm gonna go. My uh, number one is Myers because I like that he's putting himself out there. He was always so buttoned up and you know had that same thing going on. And and let let's just let it let it all go. You know, you're young. Do what you want to do. Have fun. I appreciate that. Uh, next up, I'm going Ed Davis. Not because I like his hair better than last year. I actually like the fro better mm-hmm. than than the sure. the '90s Snoop Dogg kind of Hellraiser look going mm-hmm. on. Um, but it's Ed Davis. Yeah. He could wear any freaking hairstyle he wants, and he'd be the man. Mm-hmm. So he comes in, too, there. This is true. Uh, and I'm going to go Noah. Uh, you you summed up Noah perfectly. Um, and mostly because I'm going to go four on AC because I like the frosted tips. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I liked yeah. what AC Me did. Too. And also, man, AC, that got you a career year and got you 75 <laughs> mil, man. I don't think you want to mess with that. So that's where I'm going with that. Eh, maybe he's trying to move on to a new chapter of life. Which, by the way, before we get the complaints – you cannot imagine the number of questions I get about hair. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, oh, God, Screw why are these, these guys jerks. talking about this stupid stuff? It's because we get so many questions about it. That's why. I will say this. I don't know how many questions we got, 30, 40, however many it was. A quarter of them maybe uh, hair related. Uh, there yeah. were several hair questions. Yeah. I mean, I read two. So. And that's consistent, too. Like yeah. people, are, people have been interested in Meyer's hair since, since the since day. Since whenever. Yeah. yeah. And, you know – 75% of this podcast has been relatively serious basketball talk here and there, so we'll mix in some stupid crap every now and then. Uh, not to mention, people are asking about it, so exactly. it's not stupid it's for, the, it's for the people. I don't think it's stupid anyways. All, all, all questions are, are valid. I agree. There's no stupid questions. There are only stupid answers. Yeah, that's not true, but <laughs> in this case, that's true. You've got to walk before you can crawl. Um, Wait, reverse that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of my very subtle favorite lines from Ocean's Eleven. Mm. Uh, next up from Trevor, who is the breakthrough player this year for the Blazers? Breakthrough, huh? Mm-hmm. Can there be a breakthrough player? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, CJ. I think that happened last year. Well, I know, but what I'm saying is CJ was a breakthrough yeah. player last year. So, in theory, if it could be CJ last year, it could be someone again this year. Uh, but who, the question Well, is. some contenders would be Mason Plumley, would yeah. be Al Farouk Aminu, maybe yeah. Evan Turner, maybe yeah. Mo Harkless, maybe mm-hmm. Myers Leonard. Uh, I think everybody else, you pretty much know what to expect. Barring some kind of injury and Noah Vonley playing, you know, I I don't see any great breakouts, man. I don't see a big breakthrough. I think you, you saw multiple break- breakthroughs last year. Now, is this a question saying who is going to break through or who has the best chance to break through? I mean, breakthrough being a somewhat loose term here, I suppose. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's up for interpretation. Trevor says, quote, unquote, who is the breakthrough player this year for the Blazers? Hmm. Well. You might as well stick on your Mo Harkless theme. Yeah, I'll just go Mo Harkless again. Yeah, you're right, Joe. I I was a little reluctant because I didn't want to sound like a broken record. Mo Harkless said Davis, Mo Harkless said Davis about everything. But, yeah, I'll go Maurice Harkless. What's Maurice's middle name? I keep wanting to say Mo something Harkless. Jose, I should do something way more often. Yeah. M- Maurice Jose. MJH. MJH. Yeah. I, I, I'm i going to punt on this, Trevor. I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't see a lot of room. Like, CJ, huge breakthrough last year. And in different ways, every guy had their breakthrough. Mason Plumley really emerged. Mo Harkless emerged late in the year. Aminu had a career year. Um, 
So I don't know what the threshold for breakthrough is. There's not a lot of room for much more breaking through. Maybe Myers. Maybe, yeah. If he's consistent. Joe, um, Joe punting like the uh, Florida State Seminoles versus ooh, uh, Louisville. Ooh, that's just painful. Seven. Now, how many have the Ducks lost in a row? Uh, ten, ten? Seven? Okay. Eight? I don't know. It's, I just double checking. Up. They're piling up. Just double checking. Uh, they're, they're definitely taking L's. That's, uh, that's, that's for true. <laughs> Next up, from Ronnie Stewart. My question is from any draft. Oh, his question. From any draft, what player would you have drafted instead of the player that the Blazers drafted? Wow. So any player, any dra- NBA draft at any point in the history of the NBA, what player would you have drafted instead of who the Blazers drafted? Now, for my money, there's only two drafts that you need to look at. It's the two most notable drafts that altered the franchise forever and ever. My gut reaction is to say Kevin Durant over Greg Oden, but I can't do it. I have to go Michael Jordan over over Sam Bowie. It's it just seems like a no brainer for me. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that uh you gotta go MJ. I, I think I think Durant's right there. Um It's one A and one B. Yeah, but I think Michael Jordan Leroux, is the Leroux best Leroux basketball Martin, player. You, you in can, you can make a LaRue Martin argument i mean that's that's before either of our times but uh i mean i just yeah you know. i mean you know when the, when the guy is i mean before i would say the last three or four years considered by all to be the greatest player ever and will definitely be in the conversation as top two or three of all time for as long as basketball exists you got to go with that guy i have a hard time living in an nba when somebody thinks that michael jordan is not the best player in nba history I'm yeah. just, that's you my know, opinion. No, I, that's 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 fair, man. I, I'm I, I I don't necessarily disagree with you either. Yeah. I, I I think he probably I think he is. Um, but you know, you gotta you gotta Things be changed. open to interpretation. I guess. True that. Uh, next up from Mike Ward, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being quote unquote basketball shape and one being quote unquote lockout Felton, how good of shape is everyone? <laughs> so you got. <laughs> basketball <What>? shape <laughs> being a ten, so we're okay. on a, we're on a one to ten scale here. Oh, this is us. This is the Blazers. Uh, the how, Blazers. Okay. How good of a shape is the Blazers as a unit? Are the Blazers as a unit with ten being really good basketball shape and one being lockout Raymond Felton shape? <laughs> how good of a shape is everyone? Um, well, I mean, they're collectively young. they've been playing together for at least a couple weeks now. I'm going to say they're a seven. I'm going to give them an eight. An eight. Okay. So both of us think they're in very good shape. Next up from Bradley Bandera. Is there a reason for not airing preseason games? Is it simply to save money on production and travel? They would not make money? Question mark. We'd all watch. So basically, Bradley wants to know why the Blazers are not airing all the preseason games. Because now they're they, airing they, the they the don't last, make money. They're airing the last road. Are they airing any the home they're, games? They're they're airing all the home games, and then the last road and game. then the last road game versus the Warriors. So your answer for why? My answer being is that they don't make money. You uh, you can say we would all watch. The numbers show that you do not all watch. Um, it's preseason. It's there's an expense to broadcasting the game. Just to pay to actually broadcast it then all of the actual expenses that come with the technical part of of broadcasting a game from the 
from the staff to the equipment to the travel. Uh, it just doesn't pencil out, typically. There was a very w- weird kind of blogger push a few years ago to, to get this fight to get all the, the preseason games aired. I, I don't remember where or what year it was. It was a few years ago. But I don't think – it's like the NFL. Do you watch preseason NFL games? Nobody does. I mean, no. And there's a few – I mean, there's a percentage of diehards that want to watch every second of every Blazers, but the mass majority – do not give two squats about the well, preseason. And, and to be perfectly honest, too, you do have that option, I think, because I'm guessing the Lakers and the Clippers will probably air those two preseason games that It'll are taking place in Los Angeles. So if you want to, I mean, so you can pound the pavement and probably find those. Um, Utah, prob- I'm guessing, you. well, Utah might be, be televising their second game versus us. Not to mention, Utah. you're going to be able to watch four of the seven games. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can't watch any of them. Yeah, I think no, you're going to be able to get. Yeah, enough. if there was no pre, if there were no preseason games, uh, yeah, people that there'd be rioting in the street. Be interesting, and and to to go from you know zero to regular season for fans, that that I think uh, would make a whole lot of sense. But I feel <laughs> you you get a pretty good sense of what's going on out there if you watch half the preseason games. Okay, next up from Micah with a large contract and high expectations this year, will C.J. McCollum's performance suffer? From tougher defending, um, you know, I asked CJ about this at, at media day, and I mean, I think he's probably going to get a bit more attention. But he was already starting at two guard last year, and people kind of already knew what the deal with him from the season before that was. So, well, I think he he might get a bit more attention than he than he's gotten before. I, I also think too, though, that maybe there's a little more talent on the floor than before, and especially CJ as secondary ball handler, having a guy like Evan Turner who can take some of that load as well, that might free CJ up in those lineups without Damian on the court. So, um, I, I think it's it's going to be about a push. I, I think there's there's opportunities for him to play better, but I do think he's probably also going to to draw a strong defensive assignment, mostly on a night-to-night basis. I don't think the large contract or expectations no, have anything and that to do yeah. with it, uh, and I think he already was defended fairly tough last year. Uh, he also has a lot of help in a guy named Damian Lillard. There's a lot of pressure taken off of him because of Damian Lillard. And a guy named Evan Turner brought in to take even more pressure off of him. You've got guys like Mo Harkless who's, who are supposed to play better, Myers Leonard who's supposed to provide more because of the, more ta- the, 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 the deeper pool of talent on the team, and especially with the addition of Evan Turner. I don't think it's going to be any more difficult than it was last year. Yeah. CJ's going to get his. Yeah. Okay, that's it for the questions. Uh, let's move on to Food Minute. Casey, do you have a quick food wreck? Oh, yes, uh, I do. Uh, this is kind of a, a dual food wreck. Um, one food, one drink. Uh, the Kazumi Sushi Cart in uh, St. John's. You hit it, finally. Uh, we, my wife and I went last week. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, people working there, very nice. Uh, even gave us a, uh, a uh, gratis uh, sashimi, if I'm not mistaken. Nice. Um, very good sushi. Yeah, especially for North Portland. Um, maybe some of the best I've had. Uh, I would say, and their salads are really good too. So even if you don't, even if you don't like uh, sushi itself, how dare um, you? Their seaweed salad was great. Uh, poke salad, which is really popular for some reason now, uh, also good. Um, and their rolls and uh, nigiri were also great. And also, so we went there, ordered our sushi, and then uh, we ended up taking it home. But we could have. Uh, but while we were waiting for the sushi to be made, we went to the Royal Brewery on a. Uh, on the main drag there in St. John's that actually allows you to bring your food in if you want. Um, some nice beer, nice little little setup in there. That had a big screen uh, for your sports watchingness, but not like a sports bar atmosphere. So uh, Kazumi and uh, Royal Brewing in St. John's. All right. How about that? I 
I don't know that I have a. Uh, I don't know that I have a uh, a food wreck right now. I haven't. Mm. I haven't gone anywhere new uh, since we went to Hot Yai a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I have been drinking some fresh hops lately. It's fresh hop season for you beer aficionados out there. And so far, the best uh, fresh hop I've had is Breakside's Tall Guy IPA. It's uh, it's very delicious. I've, they've got three fresh hops going on right now. Uh, a Simcoe, uh, their IPA Simcoe, and their Wanderlust Cascade. Their Wanderlust Cascade is also excellent. Uh, and the word is, uh, a friend of a, uh, mine and I went on Tuesday, and they had the tall guy. They ran out while we were there, but they're supposed to get some back, and it's supposed to be in the rest of the week, at least until the weekend. So if you uh, like your fresh hops like I, go to Breakside, try the tall guy, try the Wanderlust. Yeah, all right. All right, that's it for the show. Hey, thanks as always for listening. All right, uh, we will be back next week. Again, he's Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com. I am Joe Freeman of the Oregonian. Uh, we will talk to you again next week. Enjoy uh, the fan fest and the uh, preseason opening. Yeah, let's talk about it. Bonzi Wells, what a handle, it's amazing what he do for the sport Damon Stoudemire saves the day, aka Mighty Mouse Gonna show all of you scrubs how to play, what a show Why the Lakers even want it with us, you know No one's ready to deal with us